Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. There's been times he's had some free runners. You know, it looks like they're telling him, hey, you got to get the ball out. He gets the ball, ball out with accuracy. There's other times when he looks like Fran Tarkington scrambling. You know, some of the runs he made are unbelievable. You know, and they're obviously using him in a bunch of different ways. I think the command of the offense is probably his biggest thing. You know, he's, he's being able to go through... Uh, progressions more now you know when they're in their no huddle they're telling him you know what plays to call and things like that so you know it's a little bit of that style is uh fran tarkenton the quarterback you would put in the same sentence as mitch trubisky as well matthew collar uh not quite but i understand what he means by the running around and it's one of the things that makes mitch trubisky pretty dangerous there's a play against new england as dangerous as baker mayfield was feeling last weekend <laughs> Well, that's how uh, Trubisky was last week. He was very dangerous, although I think the three of us could play a little flag football against the Lions and beat them uh, as bad as they're playing. So they're making everyone look great and feel very confident going into this game. But with Trubisky and, and his ability to run around, it is a, it is a real thing. I mean, I mean, he plays fast. He's elusive. He had a play against New England where he rolled to the right and there was nothing there, turned all the way back around, ran all the way back across the field, and and got into the end zone. And, I, I mean, New England players are kind of looking at each other like, did that really just happen? Did he really just go from one side of the field? It was like Randall Cunningham, the way that he scored on that wow. play. And I, I mean, he really can be a serious threat. I went back and watched every third down for the last, like, four weeks because I was trying to figure out how he handled some of the unique blitzes. And I can't tell you how many where he didn't see what he wanted to see, and then he just ran for it yeah. and got a first down. And that's something that the Vikings are really going to have to watch for because their pressure is great, and they love to send these blitzes that are overloaded on one side. But sometimes, if the guy's a running quarterback and you overload one side, that it's going to leave something open. And he did that in a play against, uh, I believe it was Miami, where they were rushing a couple of guys from one side and one side or it gets the jets and the the other side opens up and just, okay, there's 10 free yards and a first down in the middle of the field that keeps a drive going. It's really interesting with Trubisky. His throws have not been great. Like he's, his accuracy is not that awesome. He overthrows guys constantly. He misses guys that are open all the time. And yet he's got a 101 quarterback rating and they're one of the best scoring teams in the league. I think because his running is excellent and their coaching is excellent. So what, what's the young uh, quarterback comparison comp f- for him from a guy who developed? Hmm, That's a really good question. Rodgers used to run a lot early on, but his accuracy was probably there at that time. So is, is, there, a, is there a comp for a guy who, who basically in three years hmm. might stand in more 
and not bail out as quickly. Yeah, that's the thing is that his footwork gets so messy that he has a lot of trouble with some of those throws. He doesn't run as much as Cam Newton, but there's a little bit of the same issue where it'll be, and Newton has been much better this year because they've shortened up a lot of the throws. But when it comes to those 15 to 20 yard throws, it's a lot of not really stepping into it, not being sound in your footwork. And there was a play against New England where they bring uh, an extra rusher up the middle and he kind of doesn't see it. And then he realizes it late. And instead of still stepping into the throw, he just gets sort of off kilter and throws high to a wide open wide receiver that would have put them at about the five yard line. And that happens all the time to him. And that's where with this game, I've sort of, as we've gone along in the week, leaned more toward the Vikings because inexperienced quarterback still trying to still get a hold of a very complicated offense and a guy that just doesn't seem to react really well with his footwork to pressure. And that's where someone like Breeze can do okay. And actually, Kirk Cousins played well against the Vikings a couple times because he has great footwork in part. You can't really throw him off when he anchors down in that pocket. He's going to step into every throw. Well, if you get a guy who's a little wobbly back there against this team, I mean, you're going to get picks, you're going to get turnovers, you're going to get mistakes, and that's kind of the way I see it yeah. going with Trubisky against the Vikings. I would think the hardest thing for a, as good of a season as Trubisky's having, and obviously Matt Nagy has done a good job connecting with him in some way, but I would think the way that Mike Zimmer defenses complicate things at the line of scrimmage because isn't am I I mean you study this stuff and you and Sage Rosenfels is always great with you on the podcast about this perspective. If you're walking up to the line of scrimmage and you can't figure out what they're trying to hide because because no one's going up there in the NFL defensively and showing you well this is what we're going to look like after the ball is snapped and unless it's right. you know prevent defense. How do you decipher as a young quarterback what a defense is trying to do as they are cohesive and bluffing you and trying to make you think something different. So where they're really good with this, and Dan Orlovsky had a great breakdown about this, is that a lot of times Trubisky can see certain looks and know that he's going to have one target on that type of look because of the way that it's just set up for him by Matt Nagy. And if that target isn't there, he can run. Or he's going to have a check down, and his check down option is their leading receiver, Tariq Cohen. And he's very good out of the backfield of catching the ball. And I think that that's a big part of it is he'll look for it's the classic West Coast concept is you look for a deep ball. And if it's not there, you check it down. And that is what Trubisky does a lot. And when it comes to the more complicated stuff, when it comes to the, the harder throws, I think is where he struggles the most. As far as like getting this down, I, I think what I've seen is just a progression of him getting better and better within their offense and understanding it better, which makes a lot of sense with a young quarterback and a new coach who's going to throw the kitchen sink at you right away. So last week, of course, he he looks great with that, but it's just, do I really trust that? And a, a lot of those stats that he has and his numbers are real good. They come from two games, the last one against Detroit and against the bucks where they just went completely bananas. But those are the two of the worst teams in the NFL. His other games have had a lot of ups and downs from Trubisky. And so I, you know, I, I think when it comes to a defense as complicated as Zimmer's that he's going to have a lot of trouble, but what the West Coast does is it is supposed to make life a lot easier on your quarterbacks. And this guy has playmakers everywhere. And that's where the Vikings should be a bit concerned. I mean, because you're talking five different guys between 24 and 37 catches. So unlike the Vikings who throw the ball to two guys every time, they throw it to everybody. And they have people who can make a lot of yards after the catch if he gets the ball in their hands. 
So they're six and three, but from from the film that you've watched, how good are, are the Bears then? Because the schedule does lead one down the path of they really might not be as as good as we think, but that's a great schedule. Yeah, and when you go like player by player on the roster, when you go through the depth chart, like if you were a, a little kid or something, and you just like got on a video game and you're trying to look for your team that you want to play with, this team is very stacked when it comes to almost every single position. The fact that they were able to add Allen Robinson to their offense is a huge deal because he was an elite wide receiver for like a year or two, and then he had the injury, and Blake Bortles is his quarterback, but he started to look like the real deal. And from the defensive side, they're as good as it gets. They were as good as they got last year, but they just had a garbage offense and so they were forced to play defense on all these extra possessions, and they were still in the top 10. I mean, Akeem Hicks is an absolute monster in the middle, and this is where it's going to make the difference. Because I think that you can, and I don't mean shut down Khalil Mack, but I think you could slow him a little if you have extra bodies. But if Akeem Hicks is demolishing you in the middle, then I, I think you're you're out of luck because you're not going to be able to run the ball, which Miami did really well against the Bears. That That's one of the games to sort of watch for how to beat the Bears' defense. They ran the ball extremely well, and that just kind of puts everybody back on their heels, creates third and shorts. I think that Zimmer wants to do that. Um, but from top to bottom, I mean, they have good players all over offense and defense. I wonder how many times, I, maybe, maybe one of you guys over there across the glass can look this up, like profootballreference.com. Uh, the Bears have a top five offense if you just look at points per game. So a lot, that probably counts defensive touchdowns too. But that's but their offense is not just riding along in the passenger seat like some of these Bears teams historically. But it's amazing how the Vikings for 50 years will give you different ways to win. They'll give you the purple people eaters, but then they'll give you historically good offense in the 1990s. And then they'll give you the Williams wall with Tavares Jackson going to the playoffs, but then they'll give you Brett Favre over here. The Vikings will win offense, defense. The Bears never win with offense. <laughs> never. The, every time the Bears have been good, it's been Hall of Fame linebacker and uh, maybe a running game and a quarterback that no one's ever heard of. Going back to Sid Luckman, basically. So how many quarterbacks do you guys think you could name, say, past like 1990 for the Bears? Wow, I mean, that just, just, like a... just take a guess. I mean, like how many do you, you have the list right now? I have a list, yes. So, so, so 90 and beyond? Or before that? 90, 90 and beyond guys okay. who have played quarterback for the Bears. Well, Steve Walsh for sure, because he, he beat, beat the Vikings in a playoff game. I'm guessing oh. Manny can name, can name all of them, actually. Okay, 1990s <laughs> Chicago Bears quarterbacks. 1990 and on. So how many could you get? Well, Harbaugh. Okay, so we got Walsh and Harbaugh. Those are correct. I think McMahon might have got into like maybe 90. Yep, er- you're right. Eric Kramer. I had an Eric, Eric Kramer, Kramer jersey yeah. as a kid. Don't ask why. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Jim, Jim Miller. Jim Miller threw for like 400 and change against the Vikings one year. He was like their leader in passing for a couple years. That's five. Let's run through the Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman Six, seven. era. Chad Hutchinson beat the Vikings oh, at Soldier Field He once. was their leading passer one year. So that's well, eight. Jay, Jay Cutler. Okay, let's, let's get done with him. That's okay. nine. Uh, Cordell Stewart? Yes. Cordell Stewart's Cor- correct. Cordell, that's ten. Barkley. I mean, yeah. Okay, Matt Barkley? 11. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Oh my God! I mean, their cur- their current quarterback would be twelve. If you want to name him, that's already uh, like an amazing amount Glennon. of quarterbacks. Okay, I'm all just, right. I'm thinking yeah, of recent right. guys. Glennon, yeah. So think of two of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. 
two that my Tom Zach. Okay, well that's another one. So that's thirteen. <laughs> but that's not one of your favorites. Well, he is. But these 14. these two, I have routinely mentioned two of these guys. We mentioned Steve Walsh, right? Yeah. You did. This, yeah. Uh, he won this, the playoff game here, I think. Uh, yeah, ninety four. A, a bit that I used to have. When oh, I was oh, 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 um, um, oh. Uh, McCown. McCown and? McNown. Okay, yeah. there's 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, we're at 16 on my list. Oh, 16, okay. Yeah, how many more are there? Uh, quite a few. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll just start giving them to you. Uh, well, Mike Glennon was last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Jimmy Clausen, right. briefly a bear. Oh, oh that, that was unfortunate. God, right. Jason Campbell. Yeah, Todd oh, yeah, Collins. That's right. Todd Collins. Todd Collins. He beat the Vikings uh, one time. Caleb Haney. Did you get Caleb Haney? <laughs> Caleb <correct>? Haney, because <laughs> he played. Because Todd, I'll never forget it. 2010 NFC Championship game. That is correct. Carver went out with the knee injury, and, and Todd Collins came that's in. Right, that's right. That's another and was one. Was terrible and got benched. I think yep. for Caleb Haney, and Caleb Haney actually almost brought the Bears back in that game. Uh, did you guys bring up Brian Greasy? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan right. Quinn, Craig Krenzel of Ohio State fame. Oh, God, Craig Krenzel. Oh. CFL champion Henry Burris. Wow. Our, yeah, that's right. Uh, journeyman quarterback of the week, Shane Matthews. Moses Moreno. Moses Moreno. Rick Meyer, briefly. Rick Meyer. Chicago Bear. Rick Meyer is an obvious Wait, wait. One. Shane Matthews? Shane Matthews. Refresh my memory on Shane Matthews. He uh, was like a skinny guy, like 2001. Yeah, he the, was part of the, the, remember the A-Train, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Thomas? Yes. They, they were yeah. on the same team I must together. have been drunk that year, so, I don't remember that one. The funny <laughs> fact. Shane year. Matthews? <laughs> I must have been, I must have been, yeah, he just did. Okay. Funny factoid about Shane Matthews is that he played four seasons where he got like into games and yeah. threw six interceptions each season. Exactly six picks wow. each season with different numbers of games. He was consistent. Um, Peter Tom Willis. Remember Peter Tom Willis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a hyphen in there somewhere. Yes, I do. That's right. I think that's all of them. Well, that's it? It's a remarkable list. I got to go through these rosters now. Boy. There's got to be more. Boy, Bears fans all drove off the road there. Um, Collar's hanging out with us. So, Trubis- so don't complain about Trubisky. But first, it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. All right. Got a little traffic breakdown for you. 35E northbound. Uh, we've got a crash between uh, 7th Street and Randolph and uh, Avenue near Lilydale. Uh, it's causing about a 10-minute delay, so be on the lookout for that. And, guys, I just thought of another. Well, actually, credit to Jonathan for thinking of another. Chris Leak. Chris Leak, Bears yeah. quarterback. The guy who he preceded Tim Tebow, yeah. That is Chris uh, Leak. Florida, did you just yeah, say that? The guy who preceded Tebow. Tebow, yeah. He got into a game? Oh I gosh. think he might have, yeah. Wow. Wow, man. Boy, the Bears dig deep. The Vikings dig deep on quarterbacks, but the, well, the Vikings hit on a Favre and a Cunningham. Yeah. The Bears don't ever, well, really. When, when your franchise still talks about Sid Luckman, you're in huge <laughs> trouble. Like, that's not a good... Do you remember Luckman? Yeah, my grandpa did. And since then, no luck, man. Okay, I'm gonna wow. I'm gonna right. go to the wild game right Football. now. I'm right. just gonna take off. Just no Football. luck, man. Oh, I'm just zero oh, luck. That is, that's the door right there. You can no, show yourself. You're house. really good at a lot of things, but <laughs> those puns. All right, Phil Mackey. I've I've got a I'm way. Done with the segment. I've got a way. So am I. But I'm gonna transition. I've got a way that Kirk Cousins can shut collar. And yours truly up completely this weekend. Okay. All right. This will this will end at least for the time being, us focusing on something that Collar and I both find to be a big deal. 
Okay. The Bears are second in the National Football League with 24 takeaways. They have they have recovered eight fumbles and have 16 interceptions. Khalil Mack has forced four of them. Akeem Hicks, who you talked about last segment, Collar has forced three. This is the game where if Cousins and and I will even allow a pick. Okay, he throws a pass, it gets picked off. But it, this is the game where if Kirk Cousins does not fumble the ball at all, doesn't lose it, doesn't fumble it that I think this takes a big step towards shutting us up because this is the exact type of game where, where the Bears are opportunistic. They force they force fumbles consistently. If he holds on to the football on Sunday, that goes a long way towards me saying, hey, that's a big step. Here's the funny thing. I actually disagree with that. I'm on the other side. If he doesn't fumble against the Bears, am I going to feel better about his fumbling track record the week after and then going into the playoffs? There's really nothing, unless he goes fumble-free from now until January, only then will I say, okay, well, he went two months without fumbling. Maybe he fixed it. So, yeah, it's it's more likely that he does fumble against a ferocious defense mm-hmm. in Khalil Mack. And he has, uh, let me count him up here, looks like he has, is it eight fumbles already this season? He's averaging a fumble per game. Six lost. But if he doesn't Correct. fumble or turn the ball over, am I going to think the week after going into the Green Bay game, oh, he's fixed it? No, he, that's still going to make me... A little uh, anxious if I'm watching it. The, I, I look at it like Kirk Cousins needs a good win as a Viking, though. Because even the Philadelphia Eagles win, at the time, it felt really big to go there. And, I mean, a huge part of that is Linval Joseph fielding a uh, fumble and taking it back himself and rumbling his way to the end zone. That helped quite a bit, and their defense was fantastic that day. But, I mean, even then, Kirk was very good. But now the Eagles don't look all that great. Their defense doesn't look as good. Their offense is nowhere close to where it was. They've had a lot of injuries, which is always a big part. They've fallen off a lot. And they lost Frank Reich, who I think is proving in Indianapolis, though they don't have a defense, but he's proving in Indianapolis he's a really smart offensive mind. And I think Philadelphia misses them a little bit. That win doesn't look as good now. They don't have a win against anyone who is over 500. They tie the Packers. They don't get the job done there with a win. I know, thanks, Daniel Carlson. But they also could have lost that game seven different ways to the Packers, too. So what Cousins really does need to prove that they belong in that conversation with the best teams in the NFC is a big win on the road, NFC North opponent against a great defense. If he puts on a really good performance there in Chicago, I think you're starting to talk more and more about how they match up with those better teams and they can sort of slide themselves into third place, like definitively third place in the NFC with a win there. I mean, you could argue the last time Kirk Cousins was the starting quarterback for something other than just a meh win. I mean, I might say Washington beat Seattle on the road on... November 5th of last year. It was week 8 of last year. They beat... Thanks, uh, Blair Walsh. Was that the, the Walsh missed, missed game? Yeah, three missed field goals in that game. Yep. Seventeen to fourteen was the final, and Cousins was—he didn't throw a touchdown in the game. Uh, but that's it. I mean, other than that, even last year, if you look at the win, they did win in week two at the Rams. So even last year, he only had a couple wins where you would say, "All right, okay, that's a that's a pretty impressive win." So that's a fair criticism. Yeah, and and this really goes for both teams. I mean, Chicago with their wins, they haven't really beaten anyone either. They played a pretty good game against the New England Patriots. They lost by seven, but they that game wasn't even quite as close as it looked. I mean, they almost came back to win that one, but they got beat by the Patriots and haven't played too many teams that are all that tough. So each of these two teams is trying to really prove that they belong in that conversation with the Saints and Rams, who are head and shoulders above. I think that the Saints have moved themselves 
definitively into that spot, but both have some flaws on the defensive side of the ball. And if you're the Vikings and you feel great about where your defense is, if you feel like Everson Griffin is going to play at the level he usually does, then you can have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and you can make that argument that you are a complete team and ready to go to battle down the stretch here and, and be a contender when we get to playoff time. With a loss here, If he, especially if Kirk Cousins doesn't play very well, I think what we're going to start to say is exactly what you're alluding to, Phil, is just, you know, does the guy win big games? Like, is he going to be able to go beat another great team? Because if they don't win this one, you're basically 0 for 3 against the real deal teams in the NFC. What's a a fair expectation of these these next four games, too? Because you go at Chicago, Sunday night game at, at home, Green Bay, at the Patriots, at Seattle, which is 4 and 5 right now, but they're an improving team. What's a fair, because the last four game stretch, I said three and one and they did it. I'm thinking here, probably in complete fairness, two and two. That but, sets you up. But you, but you need to win one, one of these next two. It can't, it can't be two and two with, we lost two games within the division. Oopsie. And then we beat the Patriots and Seattle. Well, the unfortunate part for their schedule is that three and one might kind of be required here for these next few games because yeah, that's true. their opponents just don't have really tough schedules. I mean, I mean with uh, Chicago, they've worked their way through some of the tougher teams or you know, because they were last in the division last year, they just don't have some of the tougher teams. So when I look at their schedule down the stretch, they've got Detroit again. There's a win. They've got at the Giants. There's one at San Francisco. There's one. I mean, that's three games that they should just cruise right through, and the Vikings don't have that. The Vikings have another matchup against the Lions. They'll win that one. Other than that, everybody else is legit. Miami is even a 500 team that could surprise you. They sure surprised the Bears and, you, and beat them. You got 9-6-1 and one is really dicey, especially if you don't beat the teams in your division. So 10-5-1 and one puts you on pretty stable ground for a wild card spot, I would think, at the very least. But think about this. If you go 2-2, two 2-2 and two, two and two is a really tall task in the next four games because you're playing, you're playing three potentially Hall of Fame quarterbacks and you're playing a bunch of road games. So 2-2, two and two, I, would feel, I would feel like if, 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 you could, if you could beat the Bears and either the Packers or the Seahawks, but even then, if you go 2-2, two and two, you're 7-5-1. and one, You have to run the table in those last three games to get to your 10 wins. By the way, have you seen Green Bay's schedule down the stretch? They have... Seattle tonight, which is going to be a huge game for them, whether they're staying in this race. But they've got Arizona, they've got the Jets, they've got Detroit, and then a game against the Vikings that that is you know coming here. Like they can win. There's three easy games for them too. So the Vikings have really only one game that I look at as they should cruise. Yeah. And these other teams have three. So I think you've got to go to New England and get a win. I think you've got to go to Seattle and get a win. Uh, I mean, so, and you got to go to Chicago and start three and with one? that this week. Yeah, I think. What's your guess? I think three and one didn't is what need, you have to do. Didn't need that Bills game. Didn't need that one at all. Well, and that and that stupid tie too. That stupid tie. We're, we're getting it's to that time. Bite them in we're the almost butt. there where we have to you know run what you need? playoff scenarios. You know what you need? Freaking tie. You need a Green Bay loss tonight, and then and then you need the majority of the roster to bail on that head coach. And to be like, who gives a yeah, damn? And yeah. for Rodgers to be sitting there alone trying still and everyone else to be checked well, out. You know, actually, what would make it help mathematically is if the Lions and the Bears would tie in their next matchup so that like, at least you're dealing with the same common <laughs> denominator in the division. And otherwise, what we're going to need is an abacus. Like, you know, the thing with the little... Okay, whatever, guys. Really? really uh, do, you, uh, do you fellas think that... Uh, it's the collar show. I am going home. <laughs> Football. <laughs>
Who do, you, who do you think wins tonight? I can't decide. Like, Green Bay started actually giving the ball to their good players. What a concept, Mike McCarthy, last week. But it was against Miami. Still, Miami is a decent team. I can't figure out who it's, they are. Like, they lost to the Rams close, and they were in the fourth quarter close with the Patriots. And yet, we we're talking about them as if they were just a complete I truck fe- fire. I feel like they're being a team that feels as if they're being sabotaged by their coach. Which they probably That's are. my feeling. Because well, the quarterback <laughs> is unbelievable. Yeah. Still. To answer your question, I think Seattle wins tonight. But those two teams feel very similar in a lot of ways. you got two quarterbacks who are sort of carrying everything else. Two coaches for slightly different reasons, maybe, that are on the hot seat or on the verge of being gone. I mean, for Pete Carroll, it, it, Mike McCarthy's just been there for so long and there's obvious tension. I don't know if there's tension between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, but it definitely feels like the end of that run. And two teams that are on this decline into a reset mode, and they're both fighting for, let's face it, the same wild card spot. I'm gonna, I, I think Seattle wins and puts Green Bay in a really tough spot. Yeah, so whoever wins is kind of okay with the Vikings. Right, yeah. I mean, because if Seattle wins this game, you you like when the Packers lose anytime. If the Packers win, that's annoying where the Packers are at for the Vikings. Okay. But still, it takes a wild card team almost out of it, and that's with the Vikings. When we're looking at the stretch, as long as they don't collapse, they've got a great shot at making the playoffs because of just how many teams are not on very solid ground. Outside of I think Carolina is going to be in good shape. The thing to ask, though, is can this team really go on the road to the Superdome and win? I mean, can they really, right? Slow uh, your roll there, Collar. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, that's. I think it's a huge factor. As we well, talk about these playoff scenarios, a lot of times for fans, it's, well, let's just make sure we're in. But for this team, it's not. Because last year, I got fooled on this, and everyone did. I thought, okay, go to Philadelphia and play Nick Foles. It'll be fine. But this defense is just different on the road yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. And it would have been better if Atlanta had won and come hey, to Minnesota. Question, how, how bad is the turf in Chicago right now? I haven't been. It's because not, it's it's not always, Mexico bad, is it? But it's always bad. But, but my, point, my, my point to your point is this. This defense struggles because yes. it's a fast defense, and and that playing surface in Soldier Field is usually a complete mess. Uh, back to the to the Saints home field advantage thing. If the Vikings run the table, which good luck, you're, you've got all these games on your schedule. If they run the table, they'd still need the Saints to lose three games, and the Saints play. They they do play Pittsburgh a couple games against Carolina. They at Dallas is not a gimme, so their their schedule is not a cakewalk. But think about that. I mean, by losing to the Buffalo Bills and by tying the Green Bay yeah. Packers, you put yourself in the spot where you're hoping someone else knocks off the Saints in the playoffs. So you're not going to get the home field advantage throughout, but if you win the division, you can get one game there, probably. Yes. Right? Yep. So you get the one. Does it always work that way that you yes. at least get the one? Okay. So yep. you get the one, then you can at least advance and give yourself a chance. But if this team has to go on the road all the way through the playoffs, that's really tough to see. Yeah. Collar's hanging out. It's the football hour on Mackie and Judd. You think you like football? Trent Dilfer doesn't just really like football. He loves football. Ben Snubbin playing fast. They're getting up and snapping the ball. The Vikings are really, look at that movement. Those big guys for the Vikings are on skates. Football. Football, yeah. yeah. Football. Football. Get Yes. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Football. 
All right, we're going to give away some Gopher football tickets here, gentlemen. We got Matthew Collar hanging out from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. Gophers Northwestern this weekend. I'll tell you the answer down the line here, uh, Emmanuel. All right. All you have to do is be the first caller to tell us when the Gophers won their first Rose Bowl. When the Gophers won their first Rose Bowl, who did they beat? They won the game 21 to 3. Who did they beat? 651 646 8255. 877-615-1500. I'll tell you the answer here. You got it? Okay. Judd? Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a big win that was. That was hey, one of those uh, one 1915. of those Bears quarterbacks that we mentioned went there. One of those Bears quarterbacks. One of many, <laughs> you many, many. You bears. mentioned eighty-seven quarterbacks. That's, that's your great hint. Six five one six four six eight two five five. You want to oh. go to the Gophers Northwestern game this weekend? All you have to do is uh, tell us who the Gophers beat in their first Rose Bowl victory back in the day. And wear your thermals if you win. Yeah, it's going to be cold again. <laughs> I've said this. I've decided. For as much as I pushed for, let's go back on campus. Right, outdoor football. I grew up going to the Met to watch the Vikings play. I lasted a half on Saturday. I say from now on, if it's below 20 degrees, U.S. Bank Stadium for Gopher Are games. we that soft? I am completely soft. This is the, this, I am, com- yes. So, uh, first of all, I'm that soft as well, and Spe- I agree with you. Speaking okay? for me, with my blood now, I had no right to want this team outdoors. But why is it that you've got Chicago as the windy city, and so, you know, they've... they've they put the stadium right next to the bleeping lake, which is like an ocean, and they make the grass go up to your calf muscles. So they take advantage of of their home field climate. And Green Bay, the Packers, like they 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 basically uh, they allow in big games back in the day they allow the field to freeze over like an ice rink, the ice bowl, right? They take advantage. Like the fact that basically outside of two years at. TCF Bank Stadium, when they put heating coils in under the field after it was over. The Vikings have played inside for two generations. I almost feel a little guilty. I'm with you. I'd rather sit inside as a fan, but like Buffalo Bills, right? Was there ever a conversation when you were in Buffalo of them putting a roof on the stadium or building a new indoor stadium? Building a new indoor stadium is probably going to happen there at some point. Bunch because of sissies. Yeah. Well, it was a conversation. It was a conversation a <laughs> lot. And no way. I mean, no way would you want to continue to play outdoors if you can play indoors. I mean, the, the whole snow thing and wind and all that. Uh, how's that advantage worked for the last 20 years for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, you know, it's weird. They had that advantage when they had Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, the best the offensive line in the league. Like, but, what a weird but, but it works for the Packers. Yeah, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers tend to help that. Right. Don Mikowski wasn't well, taking full and, and advantage. And imagine the, the advantage of having them indoors because they're so much better at the throwing of the football. And, and I think Drew Brees shows us that. Don't forget the, the 2000 NFC title game, Giants-Packers. Brett Favre had no interest in playing in that game. That's the game where Brett Favre, where where you went from saying, you know, Brett Favre loves the the whole Madden thing. Brett Favre loves the outdoors. Brett Favre was so miserable that day that he decided when when he continued his career, it was going to be playing for the Vikings in the Metrodome. That's the game where they retired Tom Coughlin's cheeks to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? Mike McCarthy legendarily told people at halftime of that game, if his name wasn't Brett Favre, I would have benched him. Who was the backup? It wasn't Hasselbeck. He was with the... Doug Peter, oh, it Peterson, was maybe? no, but 2007. No, Rogers. 
Well, oh, that's right. Rogers. Rogers. It was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So, so you would have had a uh, Steve Young, Joe Montana situation. Yes. When, but uh, he said if it, his name hadn't been Brett Favre, I would have oh. benched him. He was playing so poorly. So he didn't have the uh, guts like Bill Walsh did. Oh, too. no, Mike? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, but that. But think about the home field advantage if you if that was part of the culture here. But the, no, I, but the indoor advantage has been pretty good too in terms of noise. I think and, it's way better. I think that it plays a huge role in how good their defense is because they know that the tackles for the other team cannot hear the snap count. And no matter how loud you are outside, maybe Arrowhead Stadium and Seattle, I think they built specifically to do this. They did. You're right. So that's a little bit of cheating. But if you're inside and the noise just reflects all over the place, I hope they never move my spot in the press box in games because Judd and I are back a little bit, which you would think is the, is bad. But if you sit in that front row, you're kind of right on top of the fans. You have to have earplugs in. It's It gets that loud in that stadium where you feel like it's just pulsating. And for the opposing quarterback trying to reset the uh, protections and things like that, that's where Nick Foles got him is that Nick Foles was able to continually reset his protections, and they were able to get looks at that Vikings defense that you don't usually get, and he completes a 60-yard pass down the field after having six seconds in the pocket. And, and that's that's what we're talking about going down the stretch here, how important it is to win the division, because if you want to have a chance at going to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to get one of those games at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah. When the Packers won their Super Bowl, did they not? It's So it's happened a couple times where the Giants we're a yeah. wild card team and played three road games, and the Packers played three road games. Mm-hmm. But those are definitely not so much recently. anomalies, right? And that's yeah, the yeah. Packers was now what nine years ago. I mean, uh, ago? Atlanta ends up in the Super Bowl, and hey, feel free to run the ball against the Patriots anytime. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Way up. No, no, no. Hand no. the ball to no. your running back and potentially the win. O- Same for you, Seattle. But those were the those were the best teams, though. I think, and they had home field advantage. The only only stadium that the Vikings might play in that is that is noisier than theirs is probably the Superdome. The the 2009 title game that I covered there, the conference championship game, I think that was the one place I went that was actually more intense and, and had more noise than the Metrodome did at the time. Anything happened that day? or? Oh, no. It's just a, Vikings dominated statistically. <laughs> I mean, they just they killed really them. Did. Statistically, Except they drubbed the fumble them. Category. And then they went and played the Colts, and they won the Super Bowl, right? The Vikings won the process. They won the process. Uh, just Nafahu Tai was the... Uh, fourth man in the huddle. You know what? Uh, Ch- Chili's gone from the Bears staff, right? Since he took that AAFL Atlanta oh, job. Yeah. Atlanta oh, Alliance. Yeah. Nagy hired Alliance him. Atlanta. And I think he worked through training camp and then left. You could have seen Brad on Sunday. It would have been so much Matt fun. Matt Nagy does sort of look like a young Brad Childress with better facial hair. Although Brad rocked that full beard for a while. So do you think the- Reed called Brad in after last year, you know, because Brad supposedly retired? And then he took the Bears job. Do you think Andy finally said, "Brad, you just don't do much here"? No, I think the I think he respects Brad Childress more than anybody he's ever coached with. You know, I think it's the opposite. He didn't he didn't allow him to call plays though? And then and then I want to say after Brad took the job here, Andy Reid hired Marty Mornwig, who's as big a dummy as I think I've ever come <laughs> oh, across, and he yes. let him call plays. Now, so there's a difference between a guy who is a big dummy as a head coach and a guy who's a big dummy as an offensive mind or as a football mind. This because with Doug Marone, I've mentioned him a few times to you guys, and just <laughs> I have so little respect for him. And this year, I wish someone had offered me a bet of like my whole house and cars 
maybe even the dog, that they would like not make the playoffs and they'd be a truck fire by the end of the year because that is so Doug Marone. There's no way he can make it through three years as a head coach. But as, a, as an offensive mind, as a smart person of the game, he's very well respected. Everyone I would talk to would be like, oh, Marone's your coach at Buffalo. Hey, he's pretty good, huh? And I'm like, I guess. But he was the offensive coordinator for the Saints for a while mm-hmm. under Sean Payton. He knows the game. He just can't handle being a head coach. And what, guy, what guys don't realize is that you go from no one really knowing your name to being talked about 24-7 when you go from coordinator to head coach. Unless you're really bad or really good, no one knows who you are as the offensive coordinator for the most part. And then all of a sudden you have to talk four times a week to the media. Everyone hammers you after every loss. If you go for two, even if it's the right move like Pat Shermer did a few weeks ago, which who cares? They're not making the playoffs anyway. You might as well go for two every time. You still get hammered. The New York media is still hammering Pat Shermer for going for two when he's statistically supposed to do so. And that's the type of stuff that some coaches just can't handle. And it sounds like, I mean, Judd and his giant head were here for that, but um, not me. But it it sounds like Brad Childress had a really, really tough time with it. And I think Zimmer, it took him going through the 2016 season to realize how to deal with his players, with the media, with the pressure, and all those things. Matthew Collar, find his stuff on 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. Uh, and his puns, too. Well, you have to search deep for, for those, some of the some of the puns. There should just be a pun section on 1500ESPN.com. It can just be like Matthew Cam. He's telling dad jokes. Like dad puns. When? Just now. Just oh. the, the entire show. Basically, it's like dad mm. puns the whole time. You're a dad pun. You got that right. Uh, we're going to wrap with Roycey when we come back, and we're going to give away Gopher hockey tickets as well. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic before we wrap with Roycey here. 394 eastbound. We've got a crash uh, in Golden Valley. Uh, between Louisiana Avenue and Park Place. That's causing a 14-minute delay. Drive carefully, folks. And also 62 westbound near Richfield. We've got a crash causing a uh, seven-minute delay. That's between Highway 121 and Highway 100 in Richfield. Gentlemen? Uh, Did we get a winner for those Gopher football tickets? We did, yes. UCLA is the team they beat Mm -hmm. in their first Rose Bowl win. UCLA, way back in the... What, 1962, I want to say? 1961? Somewhere in there? I I, somebody who might know is Patrick Royce. Actually, we have gopher uh, hockey tickets to give away right now, too. In fact, caller number 5 to 651-646-8255 gets a four-pack of gopher hockey tickets for this weekend and parking passes. 651-646-8255. Hey, Pat. First Super Bowl win. Uh, first Rose Bowl win, you said. Uh, also the last, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In January 1962, and the only reason we were there was because the Ohio State uh, Faculty Senate had voted not to allow the Buckeyes to go to the road. And why on earth uh, did they do that? Uh, because uh, the there was no agreement between the PAC, whatever it was then, PAC-10 and the Big Ten at that time. It was like a two-year period where there was no agreement, 
So they they didn't like Woody Hayes, and they thought he was uh, made football too important at the school. So they uh, voted uh, against letting the Buckeyes go. Uh, and uh, and our boys were sitting at home, uh, you know, maybe having a beer or two, and they called up and said, you're going to the Rose Bowl, fellas, and uh, <laughs> they got a chance to win it. Now, I got another history lesson for you, too. Right. Mr. Mackey, you suggested the Ice Bowl was uh, one of the uh, uh, examples of the Packers manipulating the field. In reality, Vince Lombardi proudly put heating coils in the turf. He was the first guy, one of the first guys in the country, to put heating coils in the turf so you could have a nice field to play on later in the season. They covered it with a tarp the night uh, before the game. And with the heating coils going, they had the heating coils going, the field turned into mush. They took the tarp out. It was like 10 below zero, and it froze instantly. This mush froze instantly. And uh, Vince was terribly embarrassed by his genius, I guess, even though he won the game. Yeah, man. Hey, do you uh, are you familiar with Steve Summers, WFAN in New York? Not really, no, so no, he, I'm not. So he he's there. I don't know. He's he's got to be in his seventies now. He's been their nighttime host after Mike Francesa okay. for a long time. We're gonna play a little. It's I don't know. It's like a fifty second clip here. This is Steve Summers, and he the goal is he's gonna bring on the lone writer who vo- who didn't vote for Jacob Degrom to be a Cy Young Award winner in the National League. And we're just going to play this for you and let you react as someone who is part of the Baseball Writers Association. There was one baseball writer, and we have him on the line right now, John Maffey, of this, not from Washington, where you would think Homerism lives and thrives. John Maffey is with the San Diego Union Tribune. John, can you look at yourself in the mirror? John can I absolutely no 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 you're looking for 15 minutes of fame and attention Steve this interview is over thank you goodbye (laughs) what Uh, (laughs) uh, you you know that's probably the most famous single vote in BBWAA history by the way this wasn't that bad a vote but uh, the most famous BBWA vote in the history was the year that Yaz uh, won the Triple Crown, uh, 67. Uh, Max Nichols from the Minneapolis Star voted for Caesar Tobar as the MVP. Oh, that's a preventing, homer. Preventing uh, uh, Yaz from being the uh, unanimous MVP that year. So, anyway. Was it absolutely but crazy yeah. at the time? That sounds. Uh, by the way, you, you have to be goofier than me and more senile than me to actually be on WFAN these days. Because huh? uh, yes. Frances, what was the one on Frances the other day? I'd never heard of. Stan Lee, uh, the creator. Never novel. heard of Stan Lee. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then this guy, uh, he's, I guess he's trying to be controversial. Huh? So, Pat, I got it. Since you brought it up, I have to play the Francesa clip again because it's just it's okay. it's it's too good. Eddie in Hoboken, what's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up? Hey, Mike. Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee. Yeah, Stan Lee. I don't, I don't know who he Stan is. Lee. Don't know who he is now. Jesus. <laughs> who is he? <laughs> who is he? 
Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a comic book guy. Is that, what, is that who he is, Stan Lee? The guy <laughs> created Spider-Man. That was his. Oh, big created point. Spider-Man. Sorry, I never was a comic book reader as a kid. I apologize. <laughs> I hope Ringo Starr doesn't die while he's still on the air. Who the hell me? Pat, the twins. The twins. Uh, they haven't announced this yet, but. Uh, but sources close to the situation tell us here that Wes Johnson is yes. their new pitching coach and Jeremy Hefner is their new bullpen coach. Yep, uh, your thoughts? Uh, apparently that's out there. The Twins are refusing to confirm this for the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune because they're still pouting about the Joe Amauer uh, piece that uh, you know that the uh, the Twins uh, the, the Star Tribune uh, jumped the gun on that in their opinion, but uh, that's. Uh, yeah, that's true. That they have uh, they have hired that Wes Johnson and uh, Jeremy Hefner. So. Yeah, Wes Johnson Wes, uh, now, Wes ne- Wes never Johnson, been in pro ball. Is he the pitching coach or the head coach at at Arkansas? I believe he's, he's the he's the pitching coach at Arkansas, and Arkansas, then he and okay. he was he was at Mississippi State and was a Dallas Baptist or something the year. Before I just saw Arkansas. I wondered, do, now, do he and Baldelli have some kind of a relationship, or is this strictly uh, boy geniuses uh, going out, uh, going out and uh, coming up with something novel? I don't. Yeah, it does say in his bio on the Arkansas website, he's quote known nationally for his player development and ability to increase velocity through his staff, and has thirty pitchers drafted or signed to pro contracts in the last nine years as a pitching coach. so Well, good for him. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with the hire. I don't know anything about him, but, uh, uh, you know, I would. Uh, I, I have no uh, no problem with that at all. It's, uh, if a pitching coach uh, can uh, get somebody to throw two miles an hour faster, good for him. I, yeah. I don't know if that's uh, feasible or not. Yeah. But, uh, on the, on the bullpen I'd coach? i have a guy who can teach somebody to throw a really good changeup but uh, that's okay, too. Yeah, on the bullpen coach, it sounds like they just want someone who is a little more open to, I don't know, analytics and things like that. And Eddie Gordano. Eddie was? Eddie Gordano, from his many great qualities, maybe wasn't quite as open-minded in that regard. No, I don't think Eddie was a real analytical guy. But but who the hell cares? You're going to be analytical and some guys are warming up? Hey, Butch, get up and warm up, okay? You know, that's... uh, I, it, it's almost, uh, with some places, it's almost an assistant pitching coach situation, probably. The old days are gone, Pat. The old days oh, of God, being the drinking pal, the manager. What I've been saying is you don't need uh, you don't need analytics to be a bullpen coach. Now, if you're an assistant pitching coach, which is maybe how they define it, then then okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting Wes Johnson to be the new pitching coach. But then again, last year they, uh, you know, they went really outside uh, Gavin Alston too. That was a that was a real reach that nobody could have anticipated either. So they are definitely doing things differently. This is uh, as new of an era of Twins baseball as we've had in thirty plus years. Oh yeah, front office manager. Playing, playing uh, oh, roster. Oh, maybe, maybe all time because there's no, well, not not necessarily the playing roster. We don't know what they're going to do roster wise, right? I mean, they're you know what what are they going to do? They're going to they uh, you know it, it, they, the lineup could be fairly similar, right? Without Bauer, but yeah, just, with well, Bauer out of it, the lineup might not change it. It'll look a little different with Bryce Harper and Josh Donaldson in it, but that's... yeah, it would it would. <laughs> 
Machado too. Why, why not just throw uh, him in there? That's a yeah, but Machado and Donaldson play the same position. That's oh, tough. Okay, can't do Donaldson's going to get about eight million dollars anyway. He's so beat up. I don't think you're going to see him get a lot of. Uh, I don't think you're going to see him get a lot of money. Yeah, know? one year make it. Actually, let's let's talk more tomorrow about Twins. We speculated earlier today. All right, see you, Pat. See you, okay. All right, we wrap with Roycey every day. Uh, Mackie and Judd On Demand, anywhere you would find podcasts, 1500ESPN.com is a good place. Beer show next. Write that down tomorrow.